motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Welcome to one fucking hour, and this fucking hour, we're talking today about the movie Deliverance. I'm Evan Husney, uh, joined, of course, to my left by Tom Fitzgerald. Tom? Hi, hi, hi. And to my right, uh, Marcus Herring. How's it going, man? What's up, y'all? All right, and I think it's time. Let's start that clock. Here we go. Just going to turn it on. Boom, boom, boom. All right, let's go. Deliverance. Um, so, Tom. Oh, yeah. To start this off, I mean, you know, I'm sure this is a movie that you've seen uh, dozens of times uh, over the course of your life. I'm sure it's, a, you know, this is a movie that's on the t AFI Top 100. It's one of the most critically acclaimed movies. But what is it, what's the moment in this movie where you realize, like, man, this is a fucking, this is an extra special movie? Right. Like, it's on another level. Uh, yeah, like you said, it is it is a classic. I have seen it. Guys, I've seen it. Uh, first time was... Uh, when I was eight years old on television, Whoa. heavily edited, heavily confusing. But uh, it was my most recent viewing or one of the last few because I have seen it quite a lot, like you say. What really got me was, um, you know, in generally the second half of the film, because uh, so often the first half is emphasized in just people's minds and conversation and whatnot for lots of reasons. But it's when he's um, having to go up the cliff to scout out for the John man Boy's who character. they... Yep. John Wayne's character, who thinks that, uh, you know, they think there's a sniper who's going to pick him off. So he's, they got to get him first. So, uh, and we're going to watch this scene. So that's cool. But, um, um, you know, in a minute here. But uh, what got me was very simply, somehow in the narrative of this film and in the life of these people and specifically the John Boy character, there's a moment where this man has to examine a dead man's teeth in his head. <laughs> And there's a moment followed very quickly uh, where he is somewhat elated that the man has false teeth. Just it's all situational. And I yes. found that just simply a remarkable moment. Also, it's 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 a beautifully filmed scene. The whole yeah. thing is is really perfection, even within a, a near perfect film. But it's just it was almost darkly humorous where he's um like almost like, uh, you know, going like, who? Oh, right on. This guy has false teeth. And. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's situational, and if you know the film and the story and where we where that moment lands in the film, it is. I found it almost darkly comic, uh, but very grim and uh, almost surreal, honestly. And then you know, there's that thing where you're identifying and you're almost rooting for him. But what's so great about Deliverance too is that there's ambiguity. Uh, we yes. aren't sure. He isn't sure. A lot of these guys up here, up in the mountains, a lot of them might have false teeth. <laughs> Well, that's one so, of the things, too, about that's it. What got that, yeah, and I mean, we're assuming that most people watching this have seen Deliverance, you know? And Let's obviously, so. this scene that you're talking about is, like, hot off the heels of the infamous, you know, rape, sexual assault scene. And um, it's, yeah, coming right off of that, where John Voight's climbing the cliff, you know, uh, Burt Reynolds is injured, and there's an amazing day-for-night sequence where he's doing that. And then, yeah, trying mm -hmm. to find out, is this the dude? that you know was the toothless guy with the gun and yeah it's never really quite answered which is so amazing but i loved how when you i think it was like all of us the three of us like a few weeks or a few months back maybe even a year ago i don't fucking remember we were maybe. going we were going back and forth on like what are the five star movies the best transcendent best movies of all time and you called out this scene which made me want to rewatch it and you mm. described it as like a real nightmarish quality like digging through someone's mouth to find the right teeth and that is to find the answer <laughs> to find the answer yeah. yeah yeah and so marcus you 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 rewatched it recently how did it how did yeah. it hold for you yeah i, I did I, it was you know like like tom i saw it young and it's hard to unwatch it's hard to go back in time it's such a huge like you said a huge cultural moment movie it's hard to go back and unwatch it but I think this last time what stood out to me like right away was, um, I mean, the second, you know, you mentioned the most notorious scene. I think the second, well, I'm a contender for most famous scene is definitely the uh, banjo scene, of course. Of course. And uh, dueling banjos, right? Which mm -hmm. uh, 
hit song at the time too, right? Based in the yeah. movie, top in the charts. But I was surprised uh, watching it again how early that came in. You know, like yes. this movie starts like right out of the gate. Like there's not like a, you know if it was made today or in the '90s or something, there'd be like 40 minutes of them packing, saying goodbye to their wives, Absolutely. and all this stuff. You know, and that movie just sort of dispenses with all that. And um, you know, in a way, it's like it's this. It's this big, huge, successful movie. It feels like a big movie, but it's very contained in like the way that they did it, right? Where it's like uh, there's a little bit at the hillbilly town, you know, the framing device, hillbilly right. town, and then all in the river and nature. And then at the end, you're we're back in the hillbilly town, and it almost makes it to where it's done so well, it's shot so well. Oh, it, beautiful. You know, it doesn't feel like a small little independent movie. It wasn't, you know, mm. but you can see like that they, uh, it had this sort of inspira- inspirational quality to it. I thought, like, where it felt like you could go out and make this movie too, because they they kept it really contained and like, and the idea was very doable and pull off and, and yeah. able to pull it off. So that's what kind of stuck out to me the most, I guess, was those two things. Is that it felt like a doable movie, and then I was just shocked at how quickly uh, Dueling Banjos came in. It's like <laughs> it's within the first five minutes, right? And you're hearing that. Yeah, one 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 thing just a quick to throw in because you mentioned it about how it just the movie throws you right into these guys sort of, you know, these these weekend warriors, you know, having their uh, living out their fantasy in like the wilderness. Uh, one of the things that's brought up too about this movie a lot is the book and obviously the author um, uh, who, you know, it, it's very interesting because he was very upset with. John Borman, the director, with this movie because he cut out the actual opening of the story originally, which is interesting because the because the actual story um, was supposed to like in the book it has this whole opening where you get to know their lives before they get to go wow. out uh, to the wilderness, and it's interesting because John Voight's character is actually a graphic designer at an ad agency. Uh, Burt Reynolds is like a landlord. You know, and um, I think Ned Beatty is like a, a soft drink executive or that might be uh, Ronnie Cox's character. I can't remember which. But anyway, you, you kind of get their suburban grounded life, you know, in the book before they go into the wilderness, which is interesting because it kind of shows that they have this fantasy of going out there and conquering the wild like real men. And this is our kind of like, you know, like like the hubris of the suburban man, you know, um, to live out these fantasies. But then, of course, it, which is interesting because that might have added a little bit more to with the punch when it comes and nature bites back, you know. Right, right. Borman's she always called... underscores the difference between like, you know, the forms of like movie and book too. Yeah. you know, like they're just two different like total uh, forms. And so I, I like that. And I don't know. I, I feel like you can kind of like you can plug yourself in if you don't know what their backstory is. You know, you can kind of plug yourself into which guy you'd be. You know, are you the guitar <laughs> guy? Are you the <laughs> yeah? You know, are you there's the a range? Borman? Yeah, there's. Uh, I think maybe Borman was trying to have that solved through um, sort of exposition in a way, or you know, the character development through yeah. um, through their back and forth conversations and totally. and the and the rapidly delivered uh, character development. You know, there there is there's a range here. You know. Uh, I would say that uh, the Wally Cox guy is, is a is a total peacenik, you know, and uh, you know Ned Beatty wants to kind of prove himself, but it's sort of impossible. Just yep. you know his general disposition, physicality, and then Voight is like uh, as a potential Burt Reynolds, and and really what Burt Reynolds is is a wannabe and a total phony. Who he gets, you know, he's the one who gets into, the, into the, all the trouble, honestly, because he antagonizes all those guys. Totally, you know, and, and he goes for the trip in the first place, you know, like it's ill advised. I mean, you know. They're, uh, one of their canoes breaks apart, you know, a little later after the assault, you know, so. Um, and he's a you know, he dick really... to all the people in town, too. That's what know? I mean, yeah, he's antagonizing. Yeah, he's driving, beginning, so, he's so driving all... recklessly and like he's he's yes. driving recklessly through the yes. whole thing, right? Yeah. So, so he's, so he's, so they're all kind of uh, uh, goofuses and boobs kind of. <laughs> uh, it's in it, it, just diff- manifesting in different ways with one of them being a wannabe. And I found that funny because what happens to Bert is great because, um, He's heroic. Well, he's 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 machismo, and then he is truly heroic in some degree. And he handles the situation, but then he completely becomes limp and kind of uh, um, you know castrated, uh, yeah. uh, figuratively speaking. He's and he's out, out, you know. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. he's totally out. He's he's near death. I just find that kind of uh, amusing, but it also means that it it, it helps in the narrative where uh, that means Void has to, to to pick it up. 
from from there you know what i mean and, and truly deliver because you know bert probably would have gone up the, the the cliff for instance if he wasn't injured totally and think, yeah, he, the, he would have he would have totally and you know on the subject of bert reynolds character which is amazing just funny little tidbit um because we were also talking about the author james, james dickey sorry that was his name um, you know, a number one, first a funny detail in researching him. He, he told everybody, have you guys heard that he told everybody on set? Like, uh, psst, you know, this, uh, this has actually really happened to me. All this, you know, this actually <laughs> happened to me and it's not true, but he was like fucking with everybody on set, like Probably saying, like, you know, this like, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but he kept calling all the people on set by their names in the story. So he would like kind of like berate Burt Reynolds and be like, hey, Lewis, uh, Lewis. So uh, this is what we're going to do, Lewis. And kept trying to coach him like during the rehearsals, wow. like Lewis. And he's like, um, Burt Reynolds like just was ha like had enough of it. And he's like, uh, I'm not Lewis. Tomorrow I'm Lewis. Today I'm Burt. Uh, right. And then and then, of course, James Dickey's like, um, that's exactly what Lewis would say. You know, or whatever. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, stupid nerd stuff, but it's great. Um, Mormon had the 86 in or something off. Yeah, that's the legend like, that, yeah. that they had to get rid of him because he was just super annoying and, and, you know, kind of making sure that everybody was getting it right. And, you know, it's like, no, this is my movie. I'm the director. Fuck you. Get out of here. But he seemed like a really cool, interesting dude. Um, you know, and there's a lot of footage and, and, of him floating out there. Well, well, footage, let's not forget. Uh, not everyone's aware <clears throat> that Dickey, the the uh, the author uh, yeah. of both the book and the screenplay, right? Uh, he's the sh the sheriff that you see at the end. And I was just going to say, I I've been thinking about. Um, it's been kind of an interesting exercise. Like uh, you know, this is about a deep dive into a film, and uh, you know, there's the surface that we all uh, generally are aware of, and it's an amazing surface. But the deep dive can be great, and that includes. Um, smaller characters there are little people who pop up throughout the film yes you know there aren't the the the, the four principles and the two you know anta uh, antagonists but like uh dicky is the sheriff and that's a great performance amazing and i was just yeah and i was just rewatching it and uh, it's menacing uh it's knowing and um but it's calm as a cucumber and uh he really um you, you might think that they they found like a real sheriff i mean he's play acting uh being a, a scary yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and natural, you know, like a total naturalism and, and it's uh, beyond. So uh, but I was also thinking that um, there are some um, what I was getting at is there are these details yeah. uh, beyond the iconic uh, scenes and the, the general narrative and the performances. And I was just thinking, like, uh, if you guys have like an underrated uh, moment in your mind, um, yeah. you know, there's lots of little things going on. Uh, and I think one of the things that gets me is. Um, uh, just I'm thinking about it right now is it's really underrated is kind of the last act overall oh. and I think yeah and I think a lot of people maybe you know if they're just scanning it in their mind they've seen it a few times and they love it but like there's this they are in civilization you know at the end and they have this dinner with these very nice folks in the small town you know that's up the river and uh, you know there's this uh, old lady who's talking about this is the biggest cucumber you ever saw and everything. And, and those guys are so <laughs> shell-shocked. This is what kind of really works for me. It's such great filmmaking. It's so, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, beyond the, the nature setting uh, of the rest of the film, it's like uh, Voight can barely muster a, a polite smile. And Ned Beatty's kind of looking around. He's, he's just, he's about ready to just start screaming and running out of the room. Like, we killed someone, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just, yeah, you know what I mean? So it's just a certain kind of tension. And that's just a really underappreciated uh, part of the film. Because um, I think a lot of people might think, I don't know, but they might think that like they're kind of rescued and then there's just the bad dream that uh, Void has, which is one of the you know, incredible image of the hand coming out of the water. So anything else kind of grab you like that on a more recent viewing? Well, before I spin off, I just wanted to comment a little bit about that Ned Beatty part, because I thought it was interesting that he actually makes a contribution at the end, you know, because he is, I mean, of course, yes. he starts to lose it with the sheriff and stuff, but like when he's, when they're having dinner, He's like making small talk. He's like trying to pretend like there's nothing wrong. And like Voight's like sweating bullets, right? Right, but, that's true. Beatty, for somehow he's got some sort of release from the situation. Maybe just, you know, having his like attacker be, you know, killed, like helped him get through that. And he didn't have to actually carry it out himself or whatever. He doesn't feel that guilt. But he's like, he's sort of like putting on this mask for the general public and kind of yeah. contributing to get carry Voight through it's I thought that was kind of interesting I think he's jiving yeah because you know he's so nervous and he's suppressing so much of that nervousness that I think he's just like uh that's his solution and Voight can't even 
uh, put on a happy face. <laughs> you well, know? When, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of stole my answer there, uh, you know, with that scene, because it's interesting. I was just talking about it with my girlfriend just a little bit ago. And we were talking about the similarities. And I don't think this is a parallel that anybody caught at the time, because I haven't really heard much about it, but kind of comparing it, excuse me, comparing it to Deer Hunter a little bit in that... Um, mm-hmm. I've seen some parallel or like, you know, to, to me, it's like maybe they just talked about it a little off the cuff. But the idea of this really being a parallel to like war, like soldiers going into the war, oh, coming yeah. out of the war and having this PTSD, you know, and it's really interesting because that scene you're talking about in particular with John Voigt, um, it's obviously an amazing moment where he starts to tear up at the table. He's in this southern rooming house and they're eating biscuits, you know, and it, it is kind of like taking in the soldiers after they've come home from war. And that really shows Voight's character because he really is revealing like his vulnerability in that moment. Like Bert is just like you're saying, the phony animal crazy guy, but this is really that PTSD. And then to go to, it's going to toss to the, to the actual nightmare shot, you know, with the hand coming out Mm -hmm. of the famous hand coming out of the water is also that PTSD and that trauma. So I think that's really interesting that there is, I think not to be too like pretentious, but there is kind of like this war Vietnam. I mean, it's 1969 for crying out loud when this movie is being made and, and it's not something I don't think anybody caught at the time, but um, I think there is that that is what's going on there a little bit, even though I think James Dickey, like the author is trying to make, the parallel of, you know, the rape of the land and the land, you know, the rivers right. fighting back and the, it's, it's the river's revenge, you know, and the, the industrialism of the society and, you know, all that stuff. But um, I think that's kind of an interesting thing looking at yeah. what was going on right. at the time. There's well, a little stay- heart of darkness in there too. Right? Totally. The river and, yeah. yeah, and I guess just staying with Voight's character, you know, sort of after the, the all the incidents, um, there's the PTSD right on. I totally see it and I hear it. And it might not have been, you know, sometimes things happen, you know, they call it the zeitgeist. And that might have manifested even unconsciously for Borman uh, and, and Dickey and everybody, even the actors, but it was felt in the air, Vietnam, the war and, and soldiers coming back, you know, just like, uh, but not conscious. I don't know. Conscious or unconscious, I can totally see the connection. But another thing happens too with Voight. I mean, he, basically he's, he has kind of a PTSD time and then at the very end, he has, uh, you know, reoccurring bad dreams about his, quote unquote, war yeah. experience. But but also he does stare down the sheriff. OK, yeah. and that means that it's showing that uh, in the, you know, in the context of the film and the theme, the themes, you know, he's he gets a kind of more cojones, so to speak, because he really does stare down the sheriff. And his his, his retort is not like Ned Beatty saying, uh, oh, uh, you know, uh, well, we had an extra vest, you know, uh, no, Voight just. <laughs> doesn't blink, right. stares at the sheriff, and the sheriff is ignoring Ned Beatty, too. Yeah. And they're, they're having a stare down, and it's kind of macho, real macho, not stupid, uh, braggadocious, burnt macho, but there's something that Voight gained in, that, in those in- incidents. Um, and he just says to the sheriff, he just says, uh, I don't know. And actually, I just realized, last viewing, Burt says that. He says that line oh. earlier, and wow. I forgot what he's—he's he's saying something about um, why? Oh goddamn it, I forgot. But it's like, uh, <laughs> why? Why is this or that happening in nature, or like, why did something happen? Uh, I think Ned's asking him like the first night that they sleep over, and you're kind of expecting an answer like you know from the expert of the of the wilderness. Right. And he just goes, <clears throat> I I don't know. So I think that, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's that remember- advice of what you, like, you don't talk to the cops, right? Because that YouTube video has got like, 96 million views and it's like, don't talk yeah. to the police. Right. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying, I think is more just like, um, it's just kind of a hard ass thing to say, you know? Yeah, it is. but it is kind of the right answer because he's not like making something up or panicking right. or being honest. <laughs> you know, he's just like, uh, just steely eyed. He's like, I don't know. So all, all I'm really getting at, it's just like, I think he's picked up some things that have changed him. And he has damage, but he's also faced uh, uh, life and death uh, yeah. in multiple ways. And he stepped up and he uh, delivered. And well, um, the, so he's gained sheriff, something. Well, the sheriff and him have one more little incident where they interact, at, you know, at the car there at the end. That's what yeah. I'm referring to. That's where, yeah. Oh, okay, That's I thought you were talking about when they're sitting by the river. <clears throat> no, no, no. It's at the very, very end. Got it. Great okay. moment. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking, I mean underrated moments like obviously the ending there or that moment in the in the, in the rooming house but we, we should we should go back to the teeth 
and maybe take a look at the teeth because yeah. that's what I think really inspired us to even go back and look at this in the first place. Because it's like nobody I think it talks inspired about us. Hey Amen. I think it inspired us to start the damn podcast. It did. It did the teeth. <laughs> you know, These the relevatory moments. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm gonna fire it up here. Let's talk about some teeth. Feel free to comment over it here, and, and let's. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, let's not get into the narrative too much, but the, the, the uh, day for night sequence right before uh, that is so it's tripped out. so magical. Yeah, there's a lot of day for night too, and when he's um, climbing up and he loses the wallet, which is another great little underrated moment, Whoa. and and, it, and it's great symbolism. He loses like is the picture of the wife and kids, and he loses his wallet. He loses his his. Right. Um, you know, modern life uh, identity, you know, uh, becomes an the wall animal. Yeah, now he's part of the wild, exactly. which is like another kind of theme, you know, in so many other great movies like Wake and Fright comes to mind or the kind of thing. Yeah. You know, here's their lost weekend. To so here he is. Back. And this is one of my favorite uh, moments, the kinds of moments in films, waking up in terror. Let's <laughs> talk about Wake and Fright, <laughs> but waking up and going, oh, I just had a nap. Oh, my God, what's happening? You know, like, 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 <laughs> yeah. we're in a... I think it happens at the very beginning of Dawn of the Dead, actually. Um, right. It's the first thing that happens is the woman wakes up uh, after a nap. Now, I it, heard a theory always, about this. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it always sticks out to me just how shaky he is. Even when he's shooting the deer, like, you know. Um, he's failing. He's choking. And that's a <laughs> He chokes on shooting too. the deer. Like, really choking. <laughs> Isn't that also in Deer Hunter 2, where it's like the foreshadowing yeah. of killing a, an animal is gonna, going yeah. into killing a man, you know? Wow, deer Hunter is ripping off uh, Deliverance. Yeah. No, totally. you're right. You're right. Same as DP. Now, there's Maybe. a theory here where that's obviously his arrow. Yes, right? it is. His own arrow. Yeah, right. Not a theory, I guess, but, you know, that's what's happening here. That's what happens, yeah. Yeah. It's like a kidney shot. Right. Also, this is another thing that I love. This is a very classic moment uh, where the guy, the antagonist is coming for you. Yeah. And, you, and, you know, he's got like he's shot in the back or in this case, he's, you know, uh, got an arrow in him. And you can't tell at first, you know, because he's coming for him. But, uh, but it, yeah. So but any and, and it's, it's never been like confirmed anywhere that this is the same guy as in. It's the not. Version. It's not. It's not. Right? It's, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, you could say like, well, these boys all kind of have that same look. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I look closely. He doesn't quite look like the guy who's, you know, the sexual assault duo. He no. really doesn't look that that much like him. He's not a dead ringer. Um, also, kind of he has the casting, though. I thought no. he had like a little bit more. Like, maybe he's got a couple more days fur on his. Yeah. yeah. And he had, also, a hat on. he had a hat on. Yep. Yep. And also, um, uh, um, Here it is. That though. other guy, that other guy didn't definitely have dentures. Like this guy definitely does. But maybe <laughs> you know? he put on. I mean, his, he's definitely his taking a shot into dentures. the river, right? I mean, like you're not hunting, like. Oh. Yeah. Why not? Like I mean, he's like looking over the edge to shoot something in the river. Like what, you know, like what would that be? Here, I think this it's is your this is your money moment here. <clears throat> Marcus thinks. Well, yeah, this is it. So, you know, I said before, you know, it's uh, it's such a. Uh, it's such a, a triumph of, of really screenwriting in a way where this incredibly small, strange moment has huge significance for the character, for Voight, for us, as the viewer. And uh, totally. And um, and it's just so poetic. And I think that, um, you know, this is just reminding me of something else. Just watching a scene play out from this great movie is um, just letting nature be nice and loud and prevalent and not exclusively the soundtrack, but mainly the soundtrack. Just little anecdote is uh, I was watching with my old lady years ago on TV. She had a cat and the movie is just, it was loud on the television. And it's just so much like crickets and birds and twick and tweak and twick. And like the cat kept like putting its paw into the screen. Just Whoa. like, where are these birds? And like, wouldn't stop. And I was, Whoa. it was so, I was stoned of course. And it was just like so, <laughs> It was it was so intense, like that natural sound just brought out, you know, the the the, 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 the ancient you know DNA of the kitty right. just being like, there are birds somewhere in this room and they're in this box. So anyway, but the thing is, yeah, you know, I guess getting into the sound, um, you know, again, it's something I guess maybe the way I'm looking at uh, as we talk about this film is um, deep dives in the sense of like appreciation for the little details 
that add up to deliverance. And I think one of them is what I'm saying is uh, mostly almost you could say it's oppressive, natural sound, almost like a, you know, totally. uh, yeah. it's Geraldo kind of thing or Aguirre. Very you know, the Wrath so. of God. Yeah. Um, could be seen so. oppressive, but it's yeah, but it's also mm-hmm. kind of nice and soothing. You know, it's like yeah. it's like the sound. The soundtrack is is in a way like an environmental record you would go to sleep to, you know, or an app, you know, nature sounds. But it is punctuated by, as Marcus said, the film almost immediately establishes its menace uh, through the banjo, dueling banjo scene. Ooh. And the only other music you get really is uh, its nature sounds, but then it's um, banjo. And there's these great motifs. Um, you hear the strains of the banjo, which are, you know, internal. They're inside Voight's mind. And it's it's like that... Uh, you know, it's 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 coming back to him. Just the face of that kid, yeah. you know, is, is oh. so nightmare inducing kind of. And the whole situation was like kind of fun, but kind of dark. The whole doing banjos thing. And so what happens in the film, and this is interesting, and it's not on any um, uh, soundtrack LP or anything, but it's this great, almost trippy banjo music that's happening. Yes. And like for, here's just one example the is, uh, yeah, yeah when that. he falls, um, he falls when he's carrying down the dead body with him from the oh. down the cliff. And, uh, and, 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 and he's falling and he's screaming like, fuck, and it's a great scene. Totally. And it's so tense, you know, yeah. it's almost like Jack London or something. And like, uh, <laughs> like Hemingway or something like that. But uh, all this crazy <laughs> banjo music happens to match the, him repelling so quickly or falling right, so fast. Right. And then when he gets the water, though, it's interesting that there's a little, there's a synth drop once he hits the water. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, that's the first time I caught it this time was like, I was really focusing on the soundtrack. Right, and right. Just hearing that, then I think there's one other moment where I caught some synth throughout. Yes, there is. Heavy well, that's what I'm saying. There's kind of like trippy banjo synthesizer that that comes up, and it's I, I've looked for a long time. I actually pulled it from the movie. I made MP3s of it. There's these wow. little vignettes that happen. So, so uh, you know, that's really special, and um, uh, and and it's only punctuating inside what's otherwise a constant. You know, oh, the rushing water too is another constant. Yeah. And uh, it just feels like when you hear just all the natural sound and then the rushing water, it's just like, this is not your home. This is not your office. Mm. This is not going to McDonald's. This is, we are running shit here. <laughs> you know, yeah. we are, we are, you are in, in, in cocooned in this environment and so well represented by the sounds, the sonics. You know? yeah. That's yes. another great uh, no, should we talk late. about the should we talk about the music and talk I mean we are talking about the music but should we talk about the banjo scene in particular I mean obviously yeah. it's so iconic you know in terms of this movie but every time you see it like the the casting of the kid is unbelievable and of course yeah. the nearby townsfolk guy you know there who does the jig that was apparently on oh yeah and, you know all that amazing stuff um you know we 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 could we could take a look at it if you if you guys want should we pull it up yeah i mean it 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 is um other than the sexual assault scene with ned Beatty, it's the moment and one thing that i just found kind of amusing is deliverance had that rare thing in in the form of dueling banjos where you've got a film it's well regarded it's a box office hit but it has this uh, this under the other x factor this pop culture element you know, like it, it could be parodied on uh, SNL or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it, like it went beyond. Yeah, yeah like it's a phenomenon, yeah. right? Pop culture like phenomenon. This, this was like a top 10 hit song. Like, like it's on the radio. <laughs> it's on the fucking radio. Yeah, it's just crazy to go back to a time where like there's a banjo, dueling banjos was a hit song, not like on country radio or I mean, no, it wouldn't be on country radio today either, but like just it was to like, be. Oh, no. But also, let's not forget that it's not hit songs anymore, though. That's one thing I miss about the 70s, and, you know, the 60s and 70s is that yeah. they were instrumental hit right. songs. Right. It trailed off by the early 80s. Yeah. Well, no, but, but 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 beyond that, I just guys, one thought is just uh, what's also remarkable, not just that it's an instrumental banjo song, but that it's in direct reference to this horrifying, yes. creepy scene in this kid's face. Now that's my kind of seventies. It's like you just heard on the radio this really awesome little song, and you know while you're listening to it, I'm sure you're thinking about that horrifying child's face, aren't you? You know, <laughs> like, well, like the, we'll be right the, back with uh, Abba. Well, I thought I remember reading about this guy is that he's like a completely normal dude too, like the actor yeah, guy. He just looks a little funny, right? But he's like, uh, yeah. Is he in a, something else after this, or there's some no. backstory with him, or like I saw an interview with him once or something. Yeah, there's Bert, an interview online. Bert Bert was talking about how. Um, when they were filming this scene, obviously the kid's not playing it. 
there's like a hand, you know, behind the kid that's actually you know, playing, yeah. you know, right. like playing, yeah, doing the fingering, doing the uh, doing the stuff. And but, but what a performance when oh. he when he um, physically repels from the offered handshake. The close because we're gonna see it. It's in the close yeah. of this. Yeah. Oh, this but when he repels, when, when he physically repels though. Yeah. You know, that's coming up like because uh, they're all smiling and like, uh, you know, the Wally Cox character is playing the guitar, actually. Ronnie Cox. Yeah. No, but th that's the thing. Like, you know, like uh, the Ronnie Cox character thinks he's connecting. Yeah, you know, exactly. With with him in this moment. And, and they're that's bonding. Kind of the, yeah. And, and that's kind of the fallacy of the whole thing is that, like, you know, now we're all we're all one. But then, of course, you know, he's like goes out for the hand and he's shut out immediately. And, oh, yeah. And it just uh, as a reminder, guy did uh, add uh, reprise of the oh, banjo good, kid good, good. because he's also maybe even menacing because he has this death air, and we're going to see it too in a second, and that's really chilling. And I feel that's the moment of no return in the film because soon after they're assaulted and it's just, everything's a mess. <laughs> but the kid is sort of this harbinger of doom he on is. the bridge. Yeah, we'll see it in a second, and. You know, so just maybe we could talk about this next because I'd like to. Um, this is a fucking horror movie, <laughs> you know. It is. It is a horror on, movie. On, yeah. On an on if, if if by the basic definition of, of horror, yeah. Here we go. Oh, this is um, one of the best so shots. So it's a little later. Movie. This is it this really is absolutely is. one of the best shots in the whole movie, and it's so cool to have this callback. And here I it know. is again, like Ronnie Cox is like, "Hey, kid, remember?" When hey, we buddy. No, he's he's playing guitar, yeah. like, banjo, or on the yeah. paddle on his paddle. Like, hey, remember guitar playing? And this is like a perfect, like, a fucking idiot, fucking John Sebastian loving spoonful looking guy. Like, dude, let it go. The boy's not buying it. That is horrifying. Yeah, and it's so cool too. Just this, this full on shot, the wraparound shot. Yeah, it's so good. And then I just let it go. There's a wide shot where they're going down the river, and that's kind of somebody maybe brought it up, but it's not unlike Heart of Darkness. No, you know, you know, there's a referral yes. to that, you know, um, no. uh, just just the metaphor of like going up the river and also just I'm maybe rambling here, but just like speaking of horror, um, I read somewhere years ago that um, in, in the DNA of the psyche of the average American over the hundreds of years of being you know on this land, uh, there was this irrational fear of the woods. You know, like the, the, the indigenous people, like that's their home and they love it and they're integrated with it perfectly, you know, but but for, for, for settlers, for settlers, the woods was very weird because they weren't used to, to it. And uh, so that's where there's so much folklore about like the thing with glowing red eyes and the dark of the woods. So the woods just has this elemental um, um, a fear trigger uh, almost in the DNA of the, of, the, of the American psyche. And so but horror. You know, and, and we, we were talking about this before, like uh, how influential was it? And uh, there were some films that are direct uh, copy sort of narratively, like this film Rituals with Hal Holbrook. Mm -hmm. But there's so much horror film iconography in it. Oh. Or you could just say at least this Scary. film succeeds on just a horror movie level. Yeah. And it doesn't um, it doesn't let go of that. And, and, and it's a tribute to the film in a way. And how can I put this? And then I'll shut up. It's horror can often be very elemental and very simple. Couldn't be simpler plots most of the time. Couldn't be simpler um, uh, characters, you know, like the, the antagonist, the protagonist, you know, the survivor, the, the killer, the, you know, uh, being, um, um, being uh, haunted, being um, pursued, you know. And it's just on some, some level, it's just maybe one of the most successful horror films of all time, although it's more than that and it's yeah. technically but just, you know, just something, some, one thing that's kind of weird is Last House on the left came out at the same time, same year, ah. 1972. And that has more of that, like, um, in the woods. It's not nice. It's not idyllic. It's not, it's actually a place where things are just loose and weird and other forces yeah. can overpower you. You're not in civilization. And that happens also in movies like um, that great slasher movie that's really, really underrated is just before dawn is very deliverance and it's a total it nails the fear that's that that pops up in deliverance so i don't know just what do you guys think uh well i think a lot of the, 
horror, like almost always the most successful horror seems to tap into like the collective sort of paranoias that are going on within a society, like, mm-hmm. you know, and especially when it hits like at a certain time and, and place. And this one's interesting. I think like, Borman, he's British, right? But he really seems to capture mm-hmm. American just the way it looks, it feels. And the paranoia too, because I mean, this con- the story of this country is the story of like, you know, the town mouse versus the country mouse or like the, you know, there's a lot of class consciousness. There's a lot of fear of, you know, from like big city intellectuals of like hillbilly types or just people out in the woods. And I mean, I see that like the woods is definitely a character in this because I mean, they spend so much time just conquering the rapids. Like you said, you know, that's nature is like one of the like antagonists in this big time. I mean, it's almost like there's like three really big rapid scenes. Nature wants you to die. Nature. Yeah, yeah. The rape the, of the land. I think that you can't overlook that the the people that are represented that are the antagonists too are like poor country folk that are, you know, that we don't understand as like big as even as the moviegoers. You know, we're sitting there seeing them as this like otherizing them, right? We don't identify with almost them like at they all. are like you know, uh, and we're still like we still have those kind of like divisions in our culture today you know and like uh, mm-hmm. so it's 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 so american that sort of like also that you can be out in uh you know it's not the west i guess but you can be out in nature like cowboy style and just settle things you know american cowboy style you know they just they don't go to the law they just end up killing each other you know it's very all of it is like so rooted in america and it's amazing that um pioneering the uh, pioneer justice you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, sorry, i was just I mean, part of the, the we were talking earlier about the things that stood out to you or scenes that yeah. you thought were underrated and this kind of yeah. dovetails with that is the um there's a moment in the hillbilly town at the very beginning when they are trying to round up the the brothers to drive the trucks for them <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh Voight is like peeking around in the wind i think it's him he's like peeking through the windows it is. and it's like this beautiful cinematography and you mentioned Deer Hunter. I'm 90% sure it's the same DP that shot both movies. So it's kind of interesting that you made that connection. But um, I'm going to look at that right now. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Vilmos? Uh, yeah, Vilmos Zygmunt. Oh, it is uh, then. Yeah, it is yeah. Zygmunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, but so I mean, just, wow. there's that amazing 70s sort of like dovetail with like the lighting and the cinematography, the lenses, and then the production design. It's like, you peek into that window and everyone's wearing these browns and like earth tones and the wood and the cinematography is so nice. It's, it's the, and then you're looking through the glass at it too, almost like you're looking at like a, um, uh, what are those little window pieces of art that you look into? Like diorama. It's almost like you're looking into a diorama yeah. of someone's life, you know? And, and you are, it is, again, it's that like looking at the outsider, you're peeking in and seeing this crazy world that these people this dirt poor people that you know and it's just a lot of the genetic you know uh the, the gene pool being narrow is yeah. you know apparent you know it's they're, that's they're a real thing that home you know yeah, that's well that's the uh, mother that that is a phenomenon you know in the appalachian area at least but, uh, i thought that was a really a cool moment that i did not remember you mm. know like actually peeking at the window windows there but it's uh, right before dueling banjos i must say uh that was another one that really caught my eye in the, past, the the most recent viewings, and just to be honest, you know, like he's he's peering in, and uh, it's 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 a chilling moment because uh, they did cast right. a child who's afflicted with uh, maybe uh, CP or something, something uh, who's that, yeah. yeah, and he's in the crib, and uh, his grandma's looking over him, just kind of attending to him, probably nonstop, yeah. and you know, like knitting, and she has one of those really hard depression era faces. You know, like she probably is a lot older looking than she really is, you know, and it just reminds me of some of that photography of the Dust Bowl depression era of that woman with that, you know, the stoic, um, hard, hard, hard life, hard is face. Dorothy Lang or, yeah. Yeah, Dorothy Lang, exactly. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's beautiful, but it's also creepy and almost kind of hills have eyes in a way, in a way. I'm just saying that it has a creepy element of uh, messed up otherness and... And I hear you just to well, speak to that. is like a caricature of this, right? That's like, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a broad parody, uh, not broad parody, but it's a, uh, you know, it's exaggerated, it's car- cartoonish, comparatively, obviously, but it still is tapping into that kind of stuff. And it's also, it's the same story in a way, mid- upper middle class people going out and yeah. like looking at America and nature, it's, it's the same story. I'm sure it was on yeah. uh, Wes Craven's mind too, with Hills. But, um, well, you know, there's a lot, I mean, 
Dickey, uh, the writer, and you know Borman, of course, there's, there's, they have a lot on their minds, and there's a lot going on. And one of the things that to take that I took away from is there's there's class, of course, there's a class differential, major one between the two of them, and that happens on Earth now, you yeah. know, in general, all over the place, even within third world countries and so on. So that's that's a thing that happens. But for me, what it was, it felt like um, there was a there was a time machine slip up or something, and it feels like these guys in 1972, you know, like McGovern versus Nixon and the Godfather's playing, you know, and like, just try to think of any modernity or, and well, there's also Apollo missions, you know? And so there, so these people sort of from the future, right. Have somehow gone out back 120 years, because that's to me what it is more than class. It's just, it's so shocking uh, that technology did not, you know, track in the two different parts of this country. And it just, it just didn't happen and technology and what what technology gave these goofy goofy cushy upper middle class people which is um they don't have to they're not in the food chain in any way they don't have to fight for their lives in any way they don't have to suffer in any way and you're the little marshmallow people and that's because they're in 1972 and all these guys are not you know so that was interesting to me <laughs> yeah speaking of underrated stuff too this you know there's so many you know you always the same four or five things get talked about a lot but and i think this is overshadowed by the rape scene as well but um the performance you know of the sexual assaulter you know bill mckinney when he is when he is shot by the arrow and his actual death scene is uh unreal when you watch it back and how perfect it is i mean it's, it's very exaggerated and over the top but it feels very natural at the same time and then there's also this amazing little factoid about it too where he's like was interviewed about it or something and, and he was suggested i think by burt reynolds to to be cast in that role um but he literally like trained himself not to blink for like five minutes you know because there's that one scene wow. where he falls on the branch he Ooh. dies on the branch and then the camera is with him in the foreground and then they're all then they're they're behind him kind of trying to discuss what they should do next Freaking and it's out, all yeah. just on him and he's not blinking and he's just there like he's so know, still he's so still and that also yeah. just completely adds to the realism of the scene the immediacy of the scene and 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 and, and it's so fucking good and not talked about it's enough. great yeah well, no amen his 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 uh his death performance is his is, death, is, yeah. is up there and put yeah, but his performance, you know. <laughs> yeah. but also um, there's another little there's a little um, little tale at the end of that whole little moment, which is also really chilling and really brilliantly done. Understated as this film is so often, uh, it's it's that Bert has to um, uh, sort out is this this guy's not quite dead, so he just applies the slightest bit of pressure yeah, on right. the arrow, and he says something like, "Okay, we're good." He is, yep, he yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. That is he, amazing. He and just yeah, yeah there's one little observation on what you, the senior pick, picked up on is um, there's something they do with uh, dead bodies twice in the film. Uh, mm. There's sort of like this realistic awkwardness of how like the body falls. Yes. Uh, just the, about to bring this up. Yeah, yes. the guy, and then of course um, um, Ronnie Cox and his sort of grotesquely um, oh. distorted, uh, yeah. like uh, his arm is like uh, you know is that like, like dislocated extra? looking. With the, right. the dislocated, is that like an extra no. with like a dislocated no. shoulder or something? So or that's they, like a, that's I don't like think a they thing. Done that. No, no, no. That's like a thing he can do. And yeah. that's oh, one of the things he like brought to the awesome. movie. And he was that's like, awesome. hey, check like, this scary. out. You know? right. You're hired. Yeah. 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 You're, <laughs> like, because it really, it it's so, so grotesque, but it's so grotesque, but it's like, you know, it's a very <clears> different kind of um, corpse, so to speak. Yeah. In, in cinema uh, up, up to that time, because, you know, like usually just don't even think about it. They're just like, oh, he falls and he's kind of falling on the side of a rock. But no, it's like something happened to his body and the rushing waters grotesquely, you know, um, um, contorted him. And, and you're stuck there and it's very un it's an unpleasant image. And uh, it's not sort of unlike uh, how that guy falls. You know, it's just um, it's just that kind of detail is, is it, 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 it's another element of the unnerving. Sorry. I how they decided to, to have the corpses fall. What's that? I just have to show that. Yeah. Just, uh, Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. I mean, I just, can tell it was real. It was just like, wow. Like, uh, yeah, that's like a party trick. So, right. Of course. <laughs> Not everyone can do that. <laughs> you know, let's start a TikTok trend. Like, <laughs> do, 
do the Ronnie Cox uh, <laughs> deliverance arm, you man. Do you do it first. And I'll, All right, I got it. Oh All right, hold on. Limber here. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, but yeah. um, Please. The, go on. I was going to ask something. Uh, you sure. know, there's the uh, the rapid stuff now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot. The movie's so tense, right? Like, if you've seen it, we've all seen it many times before. But I always get kind of swept up in that, even though I know they're going to get through it. You know. Um, but like the rapids too, it's like, I, it's not a scene I would normally felt, feel like would grab me in a movie like man versus water. But yeah, I think it's the way it's, that it was done. Like, it looks like they were actually doing them. You know, it looks like that the, yeah. the actors were in the river and it feels so tense. Like, got hurt. I, I get like nervous, Bert. like watching it. I, I, know. I don't think it was so effective. To, Bert, like, Bert was hurt. Uh, Bert got hurt, dude. <laughs> yeah. Bert got hurt. Bert. Uh, that's my bumper sticker. Bert no, he, he had a permanent, he had a lifelong injury because he, he hit really hard on rock basically when he slides he down said, right when he yeah and he said i'm doing down. my own yeah because well he said you know i'm doing my own stunts he really you know speak to Burke for a second in relation to that moment and the rapids footage um you know he you know it's hard for people to understand especially if you weren't around then he was a goofy kind of like uh hack who did television he was a he was a tv detective that was his biggest thing dan august was this failed TV show right. and he did Westerns and he was just kind of a nobody and he was sort of amusing maybe on Carson, but he wasn't taken seriously and he was not a star and he was getting older. He wasn't that old, but he, he knew that deliverance yeah. would deliver. Yeah. Uh, and he was yep. for him, for, you know, for his career. And boy, was he 120% right. Totally. And um, it was night and day for him, but he also did put his whole fucking everything, everything yeah. into that role and, and he did yeah. a great performance. But he yeah. also maybe almost went too far and did his own stunts in all those scary looking raft scenes, you know, especially um, the one I mean, where he's where he's sliding down that big rock. Yes. <clears throat> yes. The one that he his character gets injured in the movie, too. And right. And, right. And, and and and, you know, Bird always talked about, at least from what I was looking at, that, you know, this is still, you know, where was his favorite performance, favorite movie, the best one he that yeah. said he was ever in for his whole career. And I mean, could you? can you deny it i mean it's it's uh, no no it's it's yeah. the roles iconic and you know i gotta say uh you know speaking uh it's a small cast and i love small cast films um you know yeah. there's a certain interesting challenge to them but there are peripheral characters and um gosh like we said before the banjo boy that kid knocked it out the box i'm sure he was given good directions um but he doesn't have like a ton of makeup right Thing, you know what I mean? No. Like his smile's weird. You know, he's probably an, he was probably a somewhat odd-looking person, naturally. But um, you know, there's so many small characters, and just uh, if you guys have any that jumped out at you, uh, of course, the, uh, the 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 toothless guy in the rape scene, right. that guy. You know, yeah. the one we the first one. You know, the verified toothless yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I did read that um, Bert in in his unsuccessful career. At one point, um, done a, one of those dumb Wild West shows for, for, you know, audiences, you know, like, you know, there's some set and he has to like have a big shootout with, you know, blanks yeah. with like, you know, you know, bad Bart or whatever. And um, the toothless guy is just one of the uh, people who um, was, you know, one of the characters, you know, like uh, like maybe the town drunk or something. And Bert remembered like, oh, my God, five years ago in North Carolina in 1967, you know, like that guy you know and and it was he made he makes the film you know so i just you know uh the attention to detail even on the peripheral characters is 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 stunning you know because they didn't cast that guy's not an actor you know totally but they but they knew they had to get some guy who's not just phoning it in and doing like a scary guy performance and he has real he has real gone ass teeth too and that's just like 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 the authenticity with the movie is what makes it really scary as these aren't like identifiable character actors you know Mm -hmm. for the most part i mean they're all like you know feel feel very real into the world and i think you know when those guys are paired too like the the rapist guy is like kind of short and stockier you know he's not he's like more muscular and that other guy is tall and lanky it's that kind of like almost like world party pairing you know totally and he and and like he just has the shotgun like he's not gonna get into a fight you know what i mean like the other guy will like go scrap with you you know the the the, the stockier guy but the other guy's just like i got my (laughs) shotgun i'm good you know like i can be I know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, but, but I, think, um, I, I actually mm-hmm. think unless I just, you know, and, and I, I've seen this twice now in the last year um, and, and, you know, we just touched on it earlier, but just to bring it back around again, because I, I want to make sure we hit it is I do think a really underrated quality of just 
in discussing the story of the movie is how brilliant it is that the characters are never sure um, if they yeah. killed the right guy or not. And that's the thing that, that they're left with to be haunted. Not just the PTSD, the whole thing, of course, but just the idea right. that, like, is yeah. that the guy is is really... I, I can't think of another movie that doesn't answer yeah. that question. <laughs> There's another There's level to that, too. It's like, because the, they don't actually know. The other big unanswered question is, like, what happened to Drew? Did he actually get shot? Like, so they don't right. even know if they killed the right guy. Was it really justifiable yeah. in that moment to do, right. do so? Because you don't even know if, the, if he shot that guy or not. You know? I think well, Ronnie Cox, right. That's, that's Ronnie Cox. Clear to me, I think, though, right? Isn't that like when they see him? You know, <laughs> is it? You know, like, <laughs> like I mean, know, he says uh, he's like that could be a bullet hole, and he's like, no, it could have been a rock too. They can't uh, find a bullet wound on him. You know? And that, and gentlemen, and gentlemen, that's why, in a way, this is a black comedy. You know, <laughs> it, it, you could you could have some laughs with this film. Uh, to speak to what you're saying, Marcus, um, that is the second major mystery uh, that is born of panic. You know, like like one of the things here that you're, you're seeing exhibited is these people are simply panicking because they're in over their heads because they're fucking marshmallows and they've never had to deal with anything. So they just panic and they and they create and they balloon in their mind monsters and, and they catastrophize to use a modern word. So, yes, they're not sure and we're not left certain either way if uh, there are two guys who have missing also, teeth. But then we'll yeah. do just just to, just to yeah. address the second one just real clearly like. The Ronnie Cox character drew. Um, he falls over, but there's such an overwhelming sound uh, of the rapids. Yeah. We're not going to hear a gunshot, but he falls over. But he was having a weird kind of psychological breakdown before he falls over. So he could have been shot, or he could have just like went catatonic and even just fainted and fell over. So there's that. Like marshmallowing then, out to your point, you know, like he's right. uh, he's ODing he went, on the marshmallows. He went limp. <laughs> exactly. ODing on marshmallows. No, but just and then just follow through, just you know, just clarify what we're getting at is then later they make this, you know, ridiculous decision in a way where it's not just our friend died in accident rafting, but um if it goes to the coroner and they find a bullet hole, then that hole has to be explained retroactively. And they're not sure, like, well, I'm not seeing a bullet hole. Or if or that wound I'm seeing could be rocks smashing against the side of his body and that it could be either or. And then they just go, We're burying him with rocks. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. Jesus Christ, guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. him with rocks. We have two corpses now we're hiding. Three. They have three. Just the point I wanted to make about what you were saying about the whole situation, you know, going back to what I was saying in the beginning, is it does seem like a very like sending kids to Vietnam vibe. Like this is a, a situation yeah. That yes. they could, that you totally could, be, you know, find a group of soldiers in over their head, um, having to deal with, and it becomes a nightmare, and it becomes surreal, and they're, you know, and, and it does feel that way for this movie. And they're at their wits' end, and, and they, the and they're end, just yeah. like, and and, and, and it just goes, and they're shelter. It goes full emotional panic, right? And no cojones, no yes. brain, no. Like <laughs> these guys are not thinking straight, you know. Yeah, yeah. But no you brain. gotta have both of those in in battle. Take it from me, I'm yeah. kidding. We're three marshmallows um, here, you know. Well, we <laughs> marshmallow had crew. Yeah, uh, we had one more clip. Um, we should get it in because clock's ticking. Um, it is. Clock is ticking. Um, we had the clip of just showing James Dickey, you know, and his naturalistic, wonderful performance. The writer, the screenwriter, and uh, one hell of a performance. Where you go, buddy? I mean, he fits right in. <clears throat> and this is what I was just saying, where. I was seeing evidence that Voight had um, grown some uh, some guts Didn't we have an extra one? in the scene right. with the stare down and the flat answer right here. No. Mm. Drew wasn't wearing his. Right, the life the the life jacket concerned. He wasn't wearing it. Right here. I don't know. Mm. And that is what Bert says. In the, in the first part of the film. It's great. So he's like real Bert. That's that's kind of another element. Bert says, that, I don't know. Yeah, he's Ned Beatty's asking him something. I don't remember. Something where like the hard ass wilderness guy would know. Like, and, mm, okay. What I'm saying is like, like, he's uh, him, or he's becoming him. At that moment. Right. Or, he's, or is the real, well, what, what I'm saying yeah, is like, yeah. um, he, this is, this guy did get a trial by fire and Bert's just fucking being a loud mouth goofball and right. uh and he didn't even 
deliver you know, during this incident, you know? I mean, he got hurt, you know, but like he just was, he was kind of like crying like a baby too. Like, yeah, it hurts, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so really it's just like fake, fake, uh, you know, bravado on the part of Bert, but then um, you are seeing um, a steely spine uh, has developed for Voight, and he really is the thing that Bert was pretending. And it's great, just like with. Sorry, go ahead, Marcus. Oh, I just I thought it was interesting that the sheriff says like, "Don't ever come here again." You know, like I know what you did, but then he's like, "Oh, he'll probably turn up." Like he makes that choice to let, let it him go. off. You know, he lets it go knowingly. You know, right. like you know, uh, you know why? It's official version of the story. You know, you know why? Because like, stuff happens out there yeah. all the time. Right. You know, that's my inference. It's, it's like you paperwork. got. Like, yeah, we have we have a lot of. Well, I'm just saying like. A lot of weird things happen here that we just kind of let go. Like it gets weird out here, and you guys got weird, but you're outsiders, so don't come back because this is more. This there is our weird. world. That it's our weird, yeah. not exactly. your weird. The whole town's about to yeah. become ancient history anyway. Yeah, right? is that which too? Is, but they'll is, be relocated. Yeah, which that's also just trippy too. Like all this is going to be gone, you know? Um, oh, oh God, perfect visual metaphor. Was well, to say the perfect visual metaphor is the mobile church. Yes. Great visual yeah, metaphor. So good. Incredible. Probably something really that really was being moved for because they were mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. yeah, industrialize that part. Um, but yeah, I think just also to the, you know, because we saw Mr. James Dickey there um, and the the writing is so cool because it's so tight in that, you know, there are those moments where like it's 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 throwing back. It's hearkening back to another moment in, in the film, you know, like you have obviously John Voight with the, the bow and arrow with the, the animal and then it foreshadows the man. And then you have the thing, what you were saying that I don't know. And it comes back and all these other things mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, it, it really is just, you know, super tight, super, um, it is just, well, fantastic. It, it, if I, if I can't just speak to what you're saying in, in a way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we're, we're heralding the, uh, one, just one element of the film, which is the incredible writing, the screenplay yeah. and the book. But uh, I had a little mental exercise, which I might start doing for one fucking hour, um, which is, uh, you know, films, you know, there's going to be films that we like here and maybe hate here, just kind of curious about, you know, but uh, I'm starting to think aloud to myself, like, um, what's the worst part of Deliverance? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. Um, And so many films, or, or at least, or even just to be more kind, like, what could you live without in Deliverance? Or what did you wish... You know, like, oh, I wish this person was cast differently and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, or this music cue is lame. But my God, not to get hyperbolic, but I, I almost empirically, I wouldn't change a thing. I I, it's just, thing. it just, there is no worst part of Deliverance. What do you guys think? No. Is there anything soft? Like, there's not a worst part. There's, there's one part that, like, let me be dumb for a second. And, uh, and there's one part that I didn't get and I actually had to run it back. And I, wasn't, I just wasn't sure. Like, mm-hmm. so John Voight is on the cliff. It's the, the day for night sequence. He's just climbed up the top of the cliff. And he looks, he's look, looking around. And then it cuts to a shot, like a really wide shot that's like a comp you know it's like a rear projection or yeah. something or some sort of yeah, yes. and there's a guy walking back off the cliff and i was like is that the hillbilly guy or and but then but then it cuts to john voight and he slides down it's a continuation so i was like oh is that john voight looking over the edge and then coming back and sliding down right and i wasn't sure i just wasn't i ran it ran it back and i was like i just don't know i, I can't tell if that was the hillbilly or all right or john all right this film's not perfect <laughs> fucking sucks man no like I mean, there was a I, slightly I con- no, i'm not making funny it's just like there is a slightly using uh, uh continuity moments in, in the I, behavior I, of, i'm of this cool with any story. of that because even that plus <laughs> even like y- you could some <laughs> some nerd could you know look at the day for night stuff and be like you know whatever but i think yeah, it true. just totally makes it Fuck um fucking nightmare it's a little surreal shit. no surreal. look yeah thank you yeah. because you know is i just thought of this right now two minute warning there is two minute warning gents no i just thought of this right now there's almost no nighttime scenes in this film right uh there, there's just a very it's kind of odd in a way like they don't really belabor them um having the night uh camping the first night camping out and being all like you know placid there's a little bit of tension you know like they hear things and you know ned Beatty's again a little spooked by it but they're, they don't really it's not a long scene i think another film might have actually had their first sleepover night kind of go on a little longer totally. and have like goes right and have like a 
I know, right? Talk about and their it, wives and stuff. Yeah. I was yeah. just going to say yeah. that. Yeah. And have like yeah. a pain in the ass conversation. Like, have you talked to Sheila since the divorce? You know, and it's like, oh, That's fuck you. Like some other movie would have done that. No. So there's almost, it's just kind of, I don't know if it really means anything, but there's really almost minute. no night. Okay. There's almost no night footage. There's just the sleepover first night. But then there's also that highly surreal day for night silveriness yeah, love of it. him at the top of the cliff. Yep. And it's just adding to surrealism. And, uh, and it's really the only moment you're getting like a full night experience, you know, during the tense part. So should we just wrap it up, guys? I don't yeah, have uh, the clock in front of me. The only, yeah, Are we 50, down to seconds? We're at 50 seconds here. All I just wanted to get in real quick before it's over, if you don't mind, is like, obviously, I don't know if they would have been able to afford to light those se- sequences at night. But I was going to say, yeah. um, we just got to mention John Borman in the last 40 seconds. <laughs> we didn't really talk about him. He's fucking brilliant. Sure. Uh, I mean, point blank. Zardoz. 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 We got to do that one fucking hour in Zardoz. We he are so doing that. Such an incredible filmography. And this movie knocks it out of the park. And um, yeah, it was yeah. fun talking about Deliverance. Marcus? Yeah, I just uh, real quick, just I think that like Tom's point about them not go- talking about their wives and stuff just shows like the character development doesn't have to be like dialogue based. You know, this movie does a lot of character stuff without having to go into all that backstory and dialogue. And it's, it's pretty no surprising. exposition. Yeah, no exposition. All right. That was a great hour, guys. I don't know about you. I had a lot of fun. Me too. That was awesome. We did it. We got it in. We did it. Um, the countdown is over. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was one fucking hour on deliverance and we will see you uh for the next the next app all right take care everybody see you later bye-bye motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef